Hello and welcome to another episode of Open Studio. I'm your host, Martina Flora, and in this show I have honest conversations with artists, designers, and creatives to uncover their story and the specific tactics they use to build a successful career around their skills and the work they love doing. This is a special in-between episodes which serves as a recap of the episodes from the last month. It features a short clip of each conversation in one place so that you can jump around and get a feel for both the episode and the guest. And then you can always dig deeper by going into one of those episodes. For the full list of the guests featured today, see the episode description below, right below where you press play in your podcast app. Or as usual, you can head to martinaflor.com slash podcast and find all the details there. Please enjoy. Episode 71, Thandiwe Muriu. Mentorship and why you need it. How to develop a strong style. Gaining and keeping clients. Insights on the world of fine art and how to know if your art is good enough. And I think you you were so fortunate to have this role of a mentor because I even though for those that got formal education and went through all the technical details and all the technical knowledge, when they get into the, the actual business of making money with their art and their skills, you know, they struggle because they don't know the the deeds of like making a living with, with their art or their skills, right? And I was wondering, how, how did you get to know this, this mentor? Because I know that there's a lot of artists out there looking for this, um, for this person, but yeah. how do you get to connect with someone who is already in the industry? And you also get them to tell you all of the, this stuff, which is, you know, is so, such a precious information. And many of them don't want to share it because... You know, otherwise you 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 become their competition. I, I know that yeah. many many artists and many um, designers and professionals out there think this way. So I was wondering how how did that work out for you? Um, I think I need to begin by saying mentorship and looking for mentors was a principle that I was taught growing up, and mm. so it was very natural for me to reach out to somebody and say, "Hi, um, I want to know more about this topic. Could I?" meet with you because I was taught you need mentors for everything whether it's your personal life mm. you know you should have mentors as a creative around business and just how to run a business and they don't necessarily have to be in the in the creative industry because yeah. there's a level of business that's just business yeah and then have mentors around creativity and things like how do I do personal projects how do I continue to grow as an artist so I always had mentors for every different part of my life yeah So when I got into photography, um, he, he initially reached out to me on, on, I think it was Facebook or Instagram. Mm. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'd love to meet you because this, <laughs> this guy was like my icon for Kenyan photography. That's the But dream. even before then, <laughs> I had um, been approaching other people. So because I, I knew I'm really interested in, I was really interested in how do you make money in photography? And then mm. how can I work as a photographer But I know I don't want to shoot weddings. I know I don't want to do family pictures. Mm. I want to create things. And the closest thing I can think to in terms of creation is commercial photography. Mm. And so I began to talk to other people around commercial photography, which means you could be talking to art directors, producers, 
So they weren't necessarily only photographers. And I would just write them an email or a text message and say, hi, my name is Tandiwe. I'm an up and coming photographer. And I had some questions about work, the Kenyan photography industry. Um, please, could I take you for coffee at your convenience and ask some questions? Um, some don't respond, some do, but you only need a few to respond. And then because I was such a broke teenager, I would save all my pocket money to take them out for this one coffee. <laughs> but I'd come away with a wealth of information that really helped. Um, so a level of it is just courage. Identify people who are ahead of you or where you want to be and then reach out to them. Mm. And if they don't respond, then just look for somebody a level down. So maybe I wrote a photographer who is 10 years ahead in my journey. Let me try somebody who's five years ahead because they still know more than I know now. And then I think just, yeah, just saying clearly, I need help. I don't know if it's very unusual, but we don't have the habit of writing to somebody and just saying, I need help. I would love some wisdom from you. It, maybe it's very humbling, but it works. If you just say, I would love to learn from your experiences, most people won't refuse. I love that because it's such a simple strategy. Oftentimes, you know, it's just about sending an email and reaching out to that person. And perhaps the person will say, yes, let's meet. Yeah. And yeah. and it's it seems such a hard thing to do for many of us, right? Um, especially yeah. for artists. I have the, you know, through the experience of working with many artists in my coaching programs and in my, in my courses and stuff, um, I have come to realize that many of us fall in the category of introverts. So the, the people skills of like going out there and making conversation or starting a conversation with someone is already very intimidating. So I think the, you know, by having you sharing this simple strategy is so encouraging because it's just about sending a message and trying out your luck. Perhaps it will say yes, and it's just about yeah. having a coffee with that person. I mean, and I, I totally feel when you say we're introverts. So I, yeah. it may sound like I went and sent 10 emails a day. No, sometimes I could only send one a month because <laughs> I just had such imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah. But as long as you send something, it's better than nothing. Yeah. And it gets easier. Or have a friend write the template for you. I found sometimes it's really hard to write out um emails like that. And so I yeah. will talk and say what I'm trying to say and have a friend type it out. And there it's done. You know, yeah. I love that. And tell me a little bit about because you mentioned that, well, you had this this mentor of yours that really introduced you to the world of commercial photography. So how was the your path into making a living as a as a photographer? Because I can imagine that at some point you're starting looking for your own clients and, you know, you know, putting yourself out there, trying to find your own opportunities as an, as a, as a photographer, right? So how were yeah. those first steps? What, what were the, the things and the strategies that you, you used to kind of gain more clients and build a client base? I think the first really important thing to say is it takes time. It, mm. I mean, I had the privilege of beginning really early. By 17, I had registered my business and I was trying to operate as a photographer. Oh, um, wow. But I only started seeing my real clients, you know, later on, you know, five years, almost 10 years later on. But it takes time. Yeah. And part of that maybe is just getting experience, learning how the industry works, making networks. Yeah. So time is a factor I can't take credit for. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, 
there was always several things I knew and I was committed to. Mm. Number one, I would always say to my assistant, um, I sell an experience whose byproduct is pictures. Mm. Because photography is such an intimate experience. If I'm shooting portraits, if I'm shooting a wedding, even if I'm shooting an advert, you are in, you ha you're capturing somebody and interacting so in such an uncomfortable situation with them. It's hard to be in front of the camera. Many people remember how they felt in front of the camera before they remember the picture. Yeah. And so my big focus was always, how do people feel in front of my lens? Um, and one of the exercises I would do with myself or with my assistant was um, having our pictures taken and realizing, for example, if you don't tell people what to do with their hands, it's really awkward. You know, even, even I wonder today, what do I do with my hands? Are they okay? <laughs> and so focusing on how people feel was really important. Yeah. Um, and then there's basic principles, delivering on time, which I didn't always do, but trying very hard to provide a good quality of service mm. because it's amazing how many people um, are brilliant at what they do, but the attitude with which they do it or just basic things don't come through. And if you hit the basics, you're already, you're already on a home run, I think. Yeah. The rest is just, you know, additions. Um I think one of the other strategies I used was, and this took time to build, but not being afraid to tell people what I do. Mm. So initially when I started as a photographer, I would be like, hi, my name is Tandiwe. I'm a photographer, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and over time I realized, you know, you need to be proud of what you do. And part yeah. of that was my experience here. It's not viewed as a real profession. Mm. It was kind of like, okay, she must have failed at being a doctor, lawyer, engineer. So I guess this is her plan, like F. So she's a photographer now, you know. Yeah. But being like, hi, I'm a photographer. This is what I do. Um, can help so that people think of you when they think, I need a photographer. Who did I meet? Oh, yeah, there was this lady called Tandiwe. Mm. I think beyond that is good branding. And it's in the simple things. So, for example, after I've told you I'm a photographer, is there somewhere you can go to see my work? Because, yes, I can show it to you on my phone, but will you remember? Yeah. Um, maybe I have a really difficult name on Instagram. So I, I need some place for you to be able to go and see my work. So have a business card or, you know, a QR code at this point and have a place people can go and enjoy viewing your work. And it should be a good user experience yeah so have you ever been on a website and it is so frustrating to use oh, yeah. and so even if the work is good i'm just kind of like i can't take any more of this i'm closing the tab <laughs> you know so make it easy for people to find your contact information mm -hmm. to look at your work to follow up about it have an, an email address that works basic things like that make such a huge difference at least in my context they did make such a huge difference just be easy for clients to find and then I think beyond that, one of my strategies was um, having unique work. Mm. And if you're a creative, your work is already unique. Half the time, the problem, at least for me, was finding the confidence to mm. show the unique style of my work and realizing that I don't have to be a photocopy of everybody else. But if I want colorful work, that's fine. I'll just attract clients who like colorful work. Yeah. So... A client who deals, you know, so maybe a law firm will never hire Tandiwe to do any work for them because my work is almost too playful, too colorful. But um, a soft drink company might be like, oh my gosh, your work is just perfect for our target audience. Yeah. You'll just attract the clients that 
are attracted to your style. So don't be afraid to have a style because there's enough clients to go around. You know, somebody else is thriving photographing all the lawyers <laughs> and, and there's enough to go around. Episode 73, Timothy Goodman, finding a dream job, writing a book and relocating cities. I want to fast forward a couple of years and understand how did you go freelance? How did you... You yeah. know, how did you decide to go freelance? What, what happened in between? Uh, if we can just quickly touch on that. And yeah. what, were the, what was the process of um, starting freelance? And what was the, also the motivation behind it? What, did, what, what mm. motivated you to say like, hey, I just want to go on my own and I want to start my own business? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, so I graduated SVA and I became a book jacket designer for Simon mm -hmm. & Schuster, um, and who's also now publishing my graphic memoir that will be out. Oh, January. seriously, so it's, that's it's, great. Yeah, it's, it's so, so good. So, so connections, wow. connections are yeah. everything. So I, I, I was a book jacket designer there and I was making no money and I lived an hour away in Brooklyn and it was, a, you know, it was exciting in a lot of ways you know mm. it was like i i for me you know all my favorite designers when i was in college were like people who did book jackets who did these kind of like magazine covers and things like that and so it felt like there was a novelty to it that was special to me um i spent a year doing book jackets my art director john fulberg who when i was working for simon schuster he left and went to work in branding for mm. a man named Brian Collins, mm. who has a firm called Collins. And he took me with him. So I, suddenly I was in this whole new world of branding and, and uh, working on a big brand identities and all this. And I was only, you know, not even, I think I was like, I, it wasn't even a year. It was like eight or nine months after I graduated. So suddenly I was in this world yeah. and there was a lot of pressure and we worked insane hours and I had to learn certain kinds of programs very quickly. And I was just, I, I just worked day and night, day and night for this man. And it was enthralling. It was just so thrilling for me as a, such a young mm -hmm. designer. And that's all I wanted, you know, I just kind of devoted my whole life to create. And so I worked for him for two years and then I got a job opportunity to go to California and work for Apple. And I was only, you know, a couple of years, three years, two and a half years out of school. And I went to California. I lived in San Francisco. I worked for Apple and Cupertino. And I did not like it at all. Mm. It, there were amazing people that I met at Apple. It just wasn't the right place for me. So yeah. in which it, way can I, can I ask in which yeah, way? Yeah, it was just very corporate. You know, I didn't, mm. I didn't want to. So I also did my first mural at this moment. Ah, oh, really? Okay, so, so in Apple or in, like in, in the offices or what? No, no, not for just, Apple. I did it okay. just free, freelance. Okay. I did my first mural. I did it for free. Mm. I know, I know we're not supposed to do, uh, we're not supposed to, you know, talk about doing things for free, but I did it for free because I really felt like it was a great opportunity to do something like that. And I had never felt so much. Um, doing this mural, I felt mentally, emotionally, physically, um, uh, like stimulated. I, 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 I like I, it was so everything just connected. When tell I tell me this more mural. about this mural, 
I'm, I'm not yeah. letting you go without telling me more about this mural. I, what what it was, was it? How, how did you, how did you um, find it or who, how, yeah, who approached was, you with was, that? It happened so quickly. I won a Young Guns Award, you know, Young Guns? Oh, yeah. Club. yeah. Yeah. So I was only two, two, three years out of school. So, and I so was for those for... that don't know, for those listeners that don't know, the Young, Young Guns Award is an award that is, um, that... Uh, how will you explain that actually um, awards the vanguard of it's for, artists it's, under 30? Yeah, 30. Yeah, right? under 30, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I won a Young Guns Award. I was, I, I don't even know how, I, it was a wild thing that I won it. And um, at some point they, they had an open call for Ace Hotel is a hotel here in, 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 in America, in the United States. And, they wanted someone to do a mural in one of the rooms yeah. and they contacted the young guns and someone there, I think gave them a couple different names and they reached out to me and they said, what would you do if you wanted to do a mural? I got really excited. I did this whole sketch yeah. and they loved it. And then I went and did it and I locked myself in this room for three days and I did this mural at, with a paint marker. I didn't know why I picked a paint marker. It just felt, <laughs> it just felt like, And you stick to it forever, essentially. I know. Now I, have, now I have whole jars of paint markers. Yes. Um, uh, but I didn't know why I picked the paint marker. I just felt like easy. You know, I just felt yeah. like, well, I don't know how to do a mural. I just, I'll just draw with this marker. It's thick. It's like, okay. But I took, it took me three days to do this mural. Something now that would take me maybe six hours. Yeah. And I was crying doing this mural like I just I didn't know if it was good I didn't I felt just so overwhelmed but I just I couldn't stop I just felt like it, I don't know when I finished the mural I just felt like this feeling hmm. that w was just came over me that was so overwhelming that how I asked myself a question I said I feel so stimulated doing this mural I feel like I've really for the first time created something that's inherently me, you know, and the way I see the world and the way, and it was editorially, it was editorial, like kind of the work. And, and I said, well, how, I love this feeling right now. How do I make, how do I find this feeling for the rest of my life? Yeah. I Is want that more. Possible? Yeah. So, but then I took this job to go to Apple. So then I was working at Apple and I was not, you know, Apple's a, Apple's Apple. I could, I, 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 you know, I could get my teeth fixed and my mom could tell her friends what I do for a living finally. And, you know, I would get a little stock and all these things, but I, I was just like, why am I here? This yeah. doesn't feel right. And I was, and I was running home every day to do uh, freelance work. I started trying to get freelance work. I was doing mm. book jackets. I was doing illustrations for magazines, New York times. Like I was trying to find all this free. I was doing anything I could to get my voice out in the world. That was the mm. most important thing to me as a young designer. I just wanted to, to find my voice and project my voice into the world through my art, any way I could um, through any medium. Mm. And I was doing all of this while I was working at Apple and I was, I was, I, And it was just constant kind of like battle and struggle internally. And eventually, after 15 months there, I realized that I could at least pay my rent with the freelance I was making. Hmm. And so I decided that was enough for me to take, you know, and I was saving my money 
you know, I didn't spend my money on anything. You know, from the time I started working in book jackets when I was making $20,000 a year and I had to share a, a, a bedroom with my best friend in Brooklyn, deep in Brooklyn, Crown Heights, we, I was saving my money all the way to Apple. I never bought furniture. I never went on a trip. I didn't do anything. All Because I, <laughs> I was waiting for this moment to mm. – I, I, I just knew at some point in, while I was in branding and at Apple, I realized this is not for me. Like mm. I – if I can do, if I can have any say in this, if I can really go after this, I'm going to try because I know I'm not this kind of a designer. I'm not a person who wants to make brand identities and talk about art direction and all these things. You know, it just felt like I wanted, there was something else calling me, you know, yeah. and it wasn't, I wasn't looking down on any of that, you know, like it wasn't about a judgment. It was just for me, it, it I knew it wasn't, it did feel right. Um, and uh, yeah, so I quit. I, I realized I could pay my rent and I quit my job at Apple and I got the hell out of San Francisco because I, I didn't like San Francisco either. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just didn't feel like uh, it didn't feel culturally the right place for me. It didn't feel like they really, you know, it's a tech place. It's not for it. It wasn't for artists, you mm. know, for me, the way I saw it, you know, yeah. and I and I missed New York terribly and I got got back here and I'm working from Starway and that was 10 years ago. Episode 75, Veronica Forte from Hey Studio. Being a woman in a male-dominated industry, client outreach, using personal projects to stand out in the crowd and growing and managing a team. So, you know, you keep on um, maintaining this social media channels of yours and this uh, platform, but you must continue, or I can imagine that you continue reaching out to clients and trying to uh, expand your client base. How does this look like for you? Yes, I think we continue like uh, showing on the website, social media, all these kind of channels, but also I give a lot of talks, uh, conferences, mm. And I think it's important like to be connected in mm. many ways, just people like creative people and also connected in your city, like in what is happening in your city, like people, entrepreneurs, like new things, mm. being active. Yeah. I mean, staying at home is not going to work. I mean, you need to be active. <laughs> yeah. So totally. it takes, it's, it's, it's a lot of work as well. Like to lead a, a studio is not just, okay, I'm staying here. Like waiting for an email to come no you need to to work on that yeah absolutely and i think this is also part of your entrepreneurial spirit that you grew up with because also yeah. like besides besides the work that you do for clients you also run your own personal projects right and um i want to mention the 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 online shop but also i want to touch on how the online shop has now expanded into a retail store and this is quite an undertaking right to start a a physical store it, it has other complexities so i i want to first touch on how the the online shop started what were the motivations behind it because i know that you you have a strong position around creating personal work and how this really brings your, um, or how this really helps you stand out in the crowd, or at least it has helped uh, Hey Studio stand out in the crowd of yes. other creative studios, you know, the personal work that you put out there and your online shop. 
So I want yeah. to hear a little bit about this, the journey that you had with the online job and how did this all started? Yes, um, the only, I always say that the online shop started the first day of Hay in 2007. <laughs> yes, because I started like doing side projects because I didn't yeah. have clients. Yeah. And I said, okay, let's do work because as a creative, we can do whatever we want. It's not necessary to have machines, it's just a computer and our creativity. So I started like to work on personal project illustrations, graphics, a lot of things like yeah. trying to find the, the style. So when we had like spare time, we focused on doing personal projects since the beginning of the studio. Yeah. And all these projects were in, on a website or Flickr, like without anything else, just showing it. Yeah. And one and through the years, like people started to send us emails asking for this these graphics yeah. to buy. And I said, it's not for sale. <laughs> <laughs> it's just there and, and after like receiving like some emails I said okay maybe there's something here like yeah there's that's the reason I mean there's wasn't something I I wasn't prepared for that and I said okay maybe people ask for that so maybe we can do a, a shop and print posters of mm. course my first idea was posters because as a graphic designer Print is my like first idea. Totally. Yes, I love posters, of course. I'm a designer and I said, okay, let's do posters, like posters. And it was a lot of work because I needed to find a supplier, the paper, the machine, how we're going to print a lot of work. Yeah. The delivery is a lot of things. And after like three, four years of the online store, I said, okay, what, what I started like doing posters, maybe these posters can be a blanket or a scarf or nothing mm. it's not necessary to be a paper so we started like to look on providers things a lot of work as well <laughs> but yes it's exciting yeah. and also through these years uh people came to the studio from all over the world like okay they sent us emails like can i go and visit the studio and also mm. i want to buy your things okay because everything was in our studio and I said, yes, you can come. Of course, it was like a studio visit slash shop in our <laughs> studio. And of course, we were working, like trying to do everything. And one day I said, okay, so maybe it's because there was people asking for that. And I said, maybe it's okay to make a store. Mm. Like, because people is coming to the studio and we are working. I mean, it's not a place to, because every time, like every summer or spring a lot of people came <laughs> and then i said okay i have friends like they have stores uh clothes stores others and i started like to ask and and i and i rent a place near my home yeah and yes and after it was everything is like very nice lovely and very detailed like it's not just a, a store it's a place that you can drink very nice coffee specialty coffee that you can read vintage books uh, with the workshops, it's it's an inspiration place. And after like six months, like COVID came, so it was also very um, um, I don't know how to say it. for me like very very difficult to survive. But yeah. I I couldn't make it. And now we are going like to 
to do a lot of things, events, and yeah. But yes, it's something like grew up organically. Yeah. And and I wonder because it's really interesting how how the entire journey was. Like it seems that you took information or feedback from your own audience to take every step of, you know, every step that you took throughout this project. So it seems that because people were requesting prints from your, they were asking you, hey, where can I buy this? Mm -hmm. You started your online shop. And then came the moment where, you know, people asked, to pass by the studio, your studio space, to just buy some of your prints. And then you decided, because you got this feedback from your audience, you decided to take on the next stage, which is opening a retail store. And I think that's such a, such a valuable learning from that experience, like to hear your audience and what they want and what they need and, you know, react to that instead of like, you know, yeah. using the, the opposite process, like just putting something out there and hoping that the people will want to have it. I think your process was really organic in that, that sense, that you, you heard your audience and then you created something to comply with their request. So this is it. I hope you loved this episode. You can find me, the host of the show, on social networks, at Martina Flor on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you have a question or comments, go to martinaflor.com slash podcast where you can see previous episodes, find show notes, and send voice memos with your comments and questions. You can also watch these episodes on YouTube. Just go to martinaflor.com slash YouTube to find them. You can, of course, listen to all our episodes on your favorite podcast platform. If you loved this episode, subscribe to this podcast. And if you leave us a review, it will help others find us. Thank you all for listening and see you in the next episode of Martina Flores Open Studio. Bye-bye.